I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, I'm Nate Fisher, and this is Timeline Tapes, the podcast made by the YouTube channel Timeline. On our channel, we have hundreds of world history documentaries, but we know that sometimes it can take a lot of time to binge a series or watch a full-length movie, so we thought we'd make it easier for everyone to enjoy them by turning some of our favorites into podcasts. This week, we're bringing you the incredible story of researchers who found traces of cocaine in ancient mummies. Now, some of these interviews were originally done in German, but don't worry, we've included the translation. This is a two-part episode, and we'll be bringing you the second half next week. The narrator of the show will be Robin Ellis, and he'll be joined by hospital consultant Dr. John Henry, Dr. Rosalie David, and most importantly, the toxicologist who discovered these drugs in the mummies in the first place, Svetlana Balabanova. In the 21st dynasty of the pharaohs, 3,000 years ago, there took place one night at a temple, the funeral of Henot Tawi. The Lady of the Two Lands. Compared to the great rulers of Egypt, her burial was a modest affair. But just like the pharaohs, she too was mummified, and her body placed in the depths of a desert tomb, in the belief that it would give her immortality. And in an unexpected way, it has. Her mummified body waited throughout recorded history. The Greeks and Romans, the Dark and Middle Ages, the Renaissance and Napoleon. Until in the early 19th century, her tomb was plundered. The King of Bavaria bought the ornate sarcophagus with the mummy inside. He gave it to a museum in Munich, where for another century, Henot Tawi lay undisturbed. Then, four years ago, a German scientist, Dr. Svetla Balabanova, made a discovery which was to baffle Egyptologists and call into question whole areas of science, from archaeology to chemistry and botany. She discovered that the body of Henot Tawi contained large quantities of cocaine, and nicotine. The surprise was not just that the Egyptians had taken drugs, but that these drugs come from tobacco and coca, plants completely unknown outside the Americas until thousands of years later, unheard of until Sir Walter Raleigh introduced smoking from the New World, 
or until cocaine was imported in the Victorian era. It was seemingly impossible for the ancient Egyptians to get hold of these substances. And so began the mystery, the mystery of the cocaine mummies. It was in Munich in 1992 that researchers began a huge project to investigate the contents of mummies. When, as part of their study, they wanted to test for drugs, it was no surprise that they turned to toxicologist Dr. Svetla Balabanova for help. As the inventor of groundbreaking new methods for the detection of drugs in hair and sweat, she was highly respected in her field. Dr. Balabanova took samples from the mummies, which she pulverized and dissolved to make a solution. As she had done countless times before, she ran the samples through a system which uses antibodies to detect the presence of drugs and other substances. Then, as a backup, the samples were put through the GCMS machine, which can accurately identify substances by determining their molecular weight. As the graph emerged with peaks showing that drugs were present, and as the printer spewed out the analysis of just which drugs, something seemed to have gone very wrong. The first positive results, of course, were a shock for me. I had not expected to find nicotine and cocaine, but that's what happened. I was absolutely sure it must be a mistake. Balabanova ran the tests again and again. She sent fresh samples to three other labs, but the results kept being confirmed. The drugs were there. So she went ahead and published a paper. The reaction was a sharp reminder that science is a conservative world. I got a pile of letters that were almost threatening, insulting letters saying that all this was nonsense, that I was fantasizing, that it was quite impossible because it was proven that before Columbus these plants were not found anywhere in the world apart from America. From toxicologists to anthropologists, everyone thought the same thing. The first thing you think of is that this is it's just mad. It's, it's, it's wrong. Um, there's contamination present. Maybe there's fraud present of some kind. But you don't think that cocaine can actually be present in an Egyptian mummy. Yet Balabanova herself had been worried about contamination. First, she checked all the lab equipment. But being a forensic toxicologist, that wasn't all she did. Balabanova had learned her trade working for the police and had been trained in the methods they used to investigate a suspicious death. She had been taught how vital it is when an autopsy is carried out to know whether the dead person has consumed or been given any drugs or poisons. 
And she had also been taught that a special forensic technique exists which can show that the deceased has consumed a drug and can rule out contamination at the same time. So, anxious to ensure that her tests on the mummies were beyond reproach, she used this very technique. It's called the hair shaft test. Drugs and other substances that are consumed by humans get into the hair protein, where they remain for months or, after death, forever. Hair samples from a body can be washed in alcohol and the washing solution itself then tested. If the washing solution is clean but the hair comes up positive, then the drug must be inside the hair shaft, which means the person must have consumed it during their lifetime. It's considered proof against contamination before or after death. The hair shaft test is accepted. If you know that you've taken your hair sample from this particular individual and the hair shaft is shown to contain the drug, well then it is proof positive that the person has taken that drug. So it is accepted in law. It's put people into prison. The hair shaft test on the bodies of a couple in Jersey showed their two sons had drugged them before killing them. And aside from the Newell case, the technique has been used in countless others over the last 25 years. Since it's also used for drug tests on addicts, company employees and in sport, to suggest it could produce false results was for Balabanova unthinkable. There's no way there can be mistake in this test. This method is widely accepted and has been used thousands of times. If the results are not genuine, the explanation must lie elsewhere and not in my tests, because I'm 100% certain about the results. If the fault was not in the tests, what else could lie behind the impossibility of mummies containing drugs from the plants coca and tobacco from a continent not discovered until over a thousand years after the end of the Egyptian civilization. In search of an explanation, we went to one of the UK's foremost experts on mummies, a person who had spent years rummaging around in the bodies of ancient Egyptians, Rosalie David. When I was first informed that cocaine had been found in Egyptian mummies, I was absolutely astounded. It seemed quite impossible that this should be the case. Skeptical of Balabanova's results, Rosalie David decided to get some samples from her own mummies and have them tested, especially for Equinox. They're so tightly fixed to the... What we're going to do is to provide tissue samples and a hair sample from a number of mummies in the Manchester Museum collection. I should be very surprised to find that they had cocaine in them. It looks almost... Yeah. Oh, you're near the ribs there, aren't you? It would be a while before the results came back from the lab. Rosalie David's motive was not only to get an independent check on Balabanova's methods, she also wanted to run the same tests, but on different mummies. For she had more than one idea about how Balabanova could have got a misleading result. 
I think there were two ideas which sprang immediately to mind. Uh, one was that possibly something in the, the tests uh, could give a false result. Uh, and the second was that possibly the, the mummies that had been tested were not truly ancient Egyptian, that they could be some of these false, uh, relatively modern mummies, and so the traces of cocaine could be in those individuals. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Timeline Tapes where we're continuing our exploration into the history of the cocaine mummies. What Rosalie David was referring to happened in Egypt in Victorian times. It was a gruesome operation to supply the antique dealers of Luxor. When 19th century travelers began to descend on Egypt in search of mummies and other valuables, the dealers might not always have the genuine article available. And so the crudely mummified body of a recently dead Egyptian might be procured instead. For a shriveled corpse would greatly increase the value of a genuine but empty sarcophagus. Sometimes collectors would buy only limbs or other mummified spare parts. These are doubly suspect, 
For the trade in fake mummies, particularly separate heads and limbs, has an even older origin. Eating the flesh of mummies was a common 16th century practice in Europe. People believed the mummies contained a black tar called bitumen, and so thought powder made from the ground-up bodies would cure various illnesses. This is the very origin of the word mummy, from the Persian for bitumen, mummia. And although it actually made people sick, a roaring trade in powdered mummia grew up, supplied by body parts and tissue shipped in bulk from Egypt. The temptation to resort to fakes was high. Very soon, the demand outstripped the supply, and certainly in the 16th century, a French physician undertook a study of this trade, and he found that, in fact, they were burying the bodies uh, of convicted criminals in the sand. They were producing mummies, and these then became a source for the medicinal ingredient. Could it be that the mummies Balabanova had tested were fakes? Carbon dating on mummies often produces incorrect results, so archaeologists rely on the provenance, knowing what tomb and excavation the mummy comes from, and on examining the mummification techniques. So the only way for Rosalie David to check out her theory about fakes was to travel to Munich to see for herself the seven mummies that were the cause of all the fuss. The Munich mummies, as they are known, belong to the city's Egyptian museum, which is housed in the old palace of King Ludwig I of Bavaria, who started the collection. Inside the museum, Rosalie David found the sarcophagus of Henot Tawi, the Lady of the Two Lands. She discovered from the museum catalogue that the coffin was bought by King Ludwig from an English traveller called Dodwell in 1845. There was no record of an exact excavation, but Henot Tawi was said to come from a tomb reserved for the priests and priestesses of the god Amun in Thebes. But while being shown the other coffins, Rosalie David discovered that apart from Henot Tawi, most of the Munich mummies are of unknown origin, and some of the tested mummies turned out to be only detached heads. According to the museum, Research had revealed inscriptions, amulets, and complex embalming methods, which they claimed proved the mummies were ancient. The investigation shows clearly that the Munich mummies are real Egyptian mummies. No fakes, no modern mummies. They come from ancient Egypt. The obvious way to prove this was to show the mummies to Rosalie David. But all the museum would let her see were empty sarcophagi. On grounds of religious respects, we don't show the mummies here in our galleries. That's one point. And the other is that we don't allow to film the mummies and to show them on TV. 
This wasn't always so, for the mummies had already been shown on television. But this German film announcing Balabanova's results had caused more than a little fuss. And so now, even though giving access might defeat the accusation of harboring bogus mummies, it seemed the museum wanted nothing more to do with research they politely pointed out was far from respectable. It's not absolutely proven, and I think it's not absolutely scientifically correct. Rosalie David had to make do with research papers and books from the museum. Were the Munich mummies fakes? Despite her initial suspicions, she decided that on balance they probably were the real thing. From the documentation and the research which has been carried out on the Munich mummies, it seems evident that they are probably genuine because they have packages of the viscera inside them, some with wax images of the gods on them, and also uh, the state of mummification itself uh, is very good. I would say that the detached heads we can't comment on, but the complete bodies probably are genuine. And if that wasn't enough, it turned out the results from the Munich mummies were not the only evidence from the dead. The anthropologists who had originally ordered the tests didn't continue the project. But Balabanova, alongside her normal research into the metabolism of drugs, started requesting samples of other ancient human remains from universities. And it was then that she got more results from Egypt. She tested tissue from 134 naturally preserved bodies from an excavated cemetery in the Sudan, once part of the Egyptian empire. Although from a later period, the bodies were still many centuries before Columbus discovered the Americas. About a third of them tested positive for nicotine and cocaine. Balabanova was mystified by the presence of cocaine in Africa, but thought she might have a way of explaining the nicotine. As well as Egypt and the Sudan, she also tested bodies from China, Germany and Austria, spanning a period from 3,700 BC to 1100 AD. A percentage of the bodies from all these other regions also contained nicotine. I continued to work on it because I wanted to be sure about my results. And after I tested 3,000 samples, I was absolutely certain that the tobacco plant was known in Europe and Africa long before Columbus. Far from being solved, the mystery that began in Egypt was spreading. Balabanova was suggesting that an unknown type of tobacco had grown in Africa, Europe and Asia thousands of years ago. But every schoolchild knows that tobacco was discovered in the New World. She was asking for a substantial slice of botany and history to be completely rewritten. Would anyone back her up? Dr. Balabanova had told us that we might find the secret behind the mysterious presence of nicotine and cocaine in Egyptian mummies in the ancient plants of Africa. Perhaps there had been drug plants which the Egyptians used, but which vanished along with their civilization. This led to a much more basic question. 
Were the Egyptians, the great pharaohs and pyramid builders, really users and abusers of drugs? The clues can be found hidden in the walls of the Grand Temple of Karnak. The entire building is covered in depictions of the lotus flower, from the tops of the vast columns to the pictograms on the walls. Until recently, Egyptologists took this most commonplace Egyptian symbol to have only a religious meaning. But according to some, the true significance of the lotus has been overlooked. The lotus was a very powerful narcotic which was used in ancient Egypt and presumably was widespread in this use because we see many scenes of individuals holding a cup and dropping a lotus flower into the cup which contained wine and this would be a way of releasing the narcotic. The ancient Egyptians certainly used drugs as well as lotus, they had mandrake and cannabis, and there is a strong suggestion that they also used opium. So although it is very surprising to find cocaine in mummies, the other elements were certainly in use. So the pharaohs clearly indulged in drugs. Hashish, which Balabanova also found in the mummies, is an Egyptian tradition which has survived through thousands of years. Although nowadays in public, pipes tend to be filled with nothing more than tobacco. By contrast, the narcotic blue lotus flower, once so essential at parties, is now on the verge of extinction. And if it could disappear, why not other drug plants? We decided to pursue Balabanova's unusual theory that an ancient species of tobacco might once have grown in the old world. Small amounts of nicotine are present in a wide variety of plants and foods, but the high concentrations sought by smokers can only be found in tobacco. That's all from this episode of Timeline Tapes. We'll be back next week with the second half of the story. But as always, if you just can't wait for some more history docs, then just head over to our YouTube channel. If you want to contact Timeline Tapes, you can email us at timeline at little.studios.com, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both at TimelineWH. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to, give us a five-star rating and write a review as well. I've been Nate Fisher. This has been Timeline Tapes. Let's go down in history together. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.